Hey, welcome to the Epic Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad Mitchell, and besides being a husband and a father to four wonderful children, I am also a small business owner. And I'm Bobby Hawk. I'm co-hosting with Chad. And not only am I a husband and father of two, but I am also a pastor. So we're going to talk about leadership and whether you are in the marketplace or the ministry, I think the Epic Leadership Podcast can encourage and enhance your leadership. Here we go. I'm good, man. How are you? Good, man. Hey, welcome to uh, episode three of the Epic Leadership Podcast. Man, we've made it through three so far, Bobby. Here we are. We haven't been canceled yet. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, That's a, a great thing for both of us, I think. That's a good thing. So, hey, thanks for those of you who are uh, listening, those of you that have subscribed, uh, rated the podcast, and even shared it. We we appreciate it. It's uh, fun kind of hanging out with you in this way, and hopefully it's helpful. Yeah, I hope it is helping everybody. And uh, man, we've got a great one today. Um, you know, this is one that as soon as I saw this one on the list, I'm like, that's it. You know, that's the one that we really need to talk about. So I'm really excited about it. Excited to kind of hear your thoughts on it. I know I've got a lot on it. But uh, today, Bobby, we're going to be talking about listening, learning, and leading. And uh, I think we can unpack a lot of great ideas on that. But uh, I guess where I would start out at, when I say listening, learning, and leading, I mean, what comes to mind? Uh, it's interesting you ask that because uh, back when my daughter, who's in sixth grade now, started kindergarten, uh, as I was taking her to school each day, sometimes I would have some other kids with me as well, and we would we would kind of talk about, hey, make good choices today, and you know, obviously be a good example and things like that. And and somewhere during that first year of kindergarten, the mantra sort of developed, and so each day I would say you know, what are you going to be? And the response that she would give or the other kids that were possibly riding with us, it was, I'm going to be a good listener, good learner, good leader. And we had drilled that in uh, so much so that uh, it, it just, again, it became this mantra that even throughout her elementary years, every day she knew what was dad going to ask, you know, Natalie, what are you going to be today? And it was just, I'm going to be a good listener, good learner, good leader. And at the end of the day, we would unpack that. So tell me, how are you a good listener today? You know, and how are you a good learner? And how are you a good leader? What's interesting is, you know, it's, it's fundamental for my daughter. It was elementary school, but Chad, really, that's something that we don't grow out of. We should actually grow into. So that's uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it today. Let's unpack that. You bet. You bet. And, and you know, the one thing that I would say about that as well, especially when you're talking about, you know, working through that with your daughter, man, at a young age, we're already kind of putting these leadership qualities into our kids and everybody does that right they just don't realize that they're doing that and kids are so easily impacted at a young age and and those are things that she's going to be able to take to, with her for years and it's not only creating some help for her today but think about the legacy that that's going to spread later for not only her but also for her family when she gets there yeah that's a you know that's kind of a parenting hack in my opinion uh, i've heard parents say things like you know, well, my kid will grow out of it, you know, and, and, and let's just say, you know, it's a behavior issue or maybe a kid is selfish and like, yeah, you know, they'll grow out of it. And, and I, I always push back on that. I say, it's not about what our kids grow out of. It's what our kids grow into. Exactly. And we get to shape that. And I think you're right. I mean, these are things that we should uh, start as children, but certainly none of us, none of us arrive at the place when it comes to listening, 
we can always be better at listening. And none of us, of course, learning that's kind of implied, you know, lifelong learners. And then I, I think Chad, the order is important on these with listening, learning, and leading. I think one builds on the other. And, uh, so let's, let's kick off, man, kick us off with listening. Uh, why is that important to you? What does that mean to you? You know, I think listening is, is really important. And I think if I was self-aware, I would probably say that, uh, this is one that I, that I really need to work on. Um, just because in my day-to-day operations and kind of what I do, um, Bobby, I think you can probably agree with this. I'm a scheduled person. So every day looks the same, right? Every day looks the same. And, and when that schedule gets, um, when that schedule gets messed up, it kind of messes with me a little bit because of how regimented I am with the things that I do. One of the things that, that I need to be better at though, is this listening piece. And, and I'll give you a couple examples. Um, you know, my wife would say, Hey, did you hear what I said? Well, yes, I heard what she said, but did I really hear what she said? And that's the biggest hurdle that I have as a leader, because sometimes we move so quick that we don't really take the time to, to listen and understand we hear, but are we really understanding? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, your wife did want me to have that conversation with you about listening and uh, something I need to work on for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and my wife equally would like you to have that conversation with me. I think you're right. Self-awareness is key. And this is one that, that, that I've struggled with as well. You know, you take the example of uh, maybe, maybe if my wife's like, you know, Hey, did you hear me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I heard you. And she's like, what, what did I say? Um, well, it was something about the dishwasher. <laughs> you know. Well, there's a big difference in loading it and unloading it, right? There's sure. a big difference on whether they're clean or dirty. And that's just, that's a simple example, but it actually speaks volumes because oftentimes I find that I, I hear without actively listening. Right. And I think if employees, people that I work with, work around, uh, if, if they're trying to communicate with me and I'm not actually listening, active listening, then I'm hearing what they're saying. And, and maybe I can even repeat back what they're saying, but right. am I listening in order to probe and ask more questions? Am I listening to understand where they're coming from? And I think for me, the self-awareness piece really becomes listening to understand. And then Chad, listening not to respond. And I, I think where I know in my past, it's been a real challenge for me. If I don't agree with somebody, um, if it's a crucial conversation, and again, maybe even just you know, in, in marriage relationship and friendships, uh, coworkers, but if there's something that I know I don't agree with as the person is talking to me, I'm making my mental checklist, my bullet points of how I'm going to respond back and correct their, (laughs) their assessment or their, um, whatever they're saying. And that is so unhealthy. Uh, and, and I really, I've grown through that, but that is certainly an area that I have to continue to grow in. Uh, what do you, I mean, have you, do you deal with that? Maybe that's something that we all tend to struggle with is kind of making our responses, which probably prevent us from listening right. actively anyway. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I guess it's, it's a flawed trait of mine, um, because what I'm trying to do is always come up with the best response, um, number one, to to get the response out as quickly as possible so that I can move on to the next task. 
but also number two, to make sure that the response is accurate. Well, the problem is, is, is if I'm not actively listening, how accurate is the response going to be? Number one. And, and number two, I'll, I'll go back to my wife in this because she's so good at, at, at holding me accountable for this. It's not only about listening, but it's about being present. Okay, so it's about being present. So when you're hearing, are you present when you're hearing it, or is your mind on three or four different things happening at the same time? So, and I and I would have to say my mind is typically on three or four different things happening at the same time. So I am listening, but I'm not present, which then gives me the inability to make an informed conversation with her. Yeah, hold on, say that again. I wasn't, I was, I wasn't listening. What did you say? <laughs> no, even this happened last night. Uh, so this is certainly um, in real time for me because uh, we were talking and I was multitasking. And um, you know, I, I, I value multitasking. I like to do multiple things. And so I was responding to somebody on my phone in a text message um, while my wife was telling me something, and I was hearing her. And I could repeat back every word that she was saying, but I was staring at my phone, sending a text while she's telling me. And right. so, yeah, that, that I wasn't present and engaged. And so when she said, hey, uh, did you hear me? And I said, yes. And I realized it was a test. So I said, yes. And I went ahead and reiterated what she said. But it, it was just clear that, okay, put down the phone right. so that I know that you're listening. And maybe that's what it is, is maybe it's not just listening, but being present and engaged, it reaffirms to the other person that you're listening. And then if you don't agree, at least they feel heard and probably even understood than just simply the disengagement that can come from, oh yeah, I heard what you said. Here's what you said. And I think this is, you know, out of the three, listening, learning, and leading, you know, I'm glad that we started off with listening because in my opinion, this one is the tough one. This is the toughest out of all three of them, okay? And, and the reason why is there are so many things that are just screaming for our attention today. You know, when you think about how people communicate, okay, well, they communicate through text messages, social media, phone calls, all of these reasons that communicate. And But what that's done is it's gave us a lot of convenience, number one, but number two, it's give us a, a lot of distraction. So when you think about distraction, you're texting while your wife is talking to him. Yes, you did hear what she said. Yes, you could repeat every word that she said. But at the same time, your brain was doing something else. And I just got, I mean, you're pretty good, Bobby. I mean, I've watched you do a lot of speeches to where you don't even use notes. But I don't know if you're that good. You know what I mean? So being able to focus on two things at one time and being 100% committed to both of them, that would be tough. Yeah, and, and no matter how, quote, good you are at doing that, you know, it, it never communicates value to the other person. And, and that's another thing with listening. One more piece as a leader that, that I've learned is eye contact. Yeah. You know, so Chad, when you're around a lot of people, maybe, um, you know, you're at a business function, a work environment, anywhere where there's a group of people, because my mind is thinking about so many different things. I'm thinking about conversations I need to have. I'm maybe seeing someone across the room that I know I need to connect with. It's easy for me with my eyes not to be listening. And I know we always say, well, wait a second. Now you listen with your ears. When you're having a conversation with somebody one-on-one, you're not just listening with your ears. You're listening with your eyes. Because eye contact tells them what you're saying to me is important. And it's more important than the person across the room that I'm looking for while you're talking to me. 
Right. And I think that's the same as uh, whether you're looking down at your phone in a text or whether you're kind of scanning the room. I have to, I really have to work on that because it's a, it's just a default thing that people, I think like us, you know, uh, that are trying to run a hundred miles an hour, do a lot of things, maximize our time, you know, connect with people can devalue the other person's voice, not just with our ears, but quite possibly with our, with our eyes. And do it without knowing we're doing it. You yeah, know what I mean? It's not intention. I mean, yeah, it's right. not like I don't care or I don't want to talk to you. It's certainly not meant to say, hey, I hope you pick up on this, that you don't matter. Right. It's not that. But those are the things that are probably the the most dangerous to us as leaders is the things that are unintentional, the things that we don't really realize. And so, uh, of course, my, my mom always said, and I'm sure... Uh, my mom's not the only mom that said this, but, you know, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Exactly. So we should be listening far more. Some would even say two eyes, two ears, and one mouth. So the ratio of listening or perceiving should be four to one. But there's some truth in that for sure. Yeah. And the the one other thing that I would give on the listening piece, and then we're going to move on to learning, is is one of the most important things that I do, and I'm really good at this in business. You know what I mean? I'm really good at this when I'm sitting down across the table from a from a customer or a client and having conversations with them. I'm really good at asking probing questions. Okay. And one of the things that one of the things that that really unpacks a lot of information that that helps it good, that makes it easy to help people is tell me more about that. You know, so just utilizing, tell me more about that asking those probing questions. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit when we talk about learning, but let's go ahead and transition. When you think about learning, Bobby, what do you think there? Well, I think as we've kind of pointed out, I think learning follows listening. I mean, it's hard to really consider yourself a good learner if you're not a good listener. Um, Those two would tend to work against each other. And so uh, and I think you're right, and I, th- I think I'd like to come back to that because I think that the question piece, uh, this is where it starts to really fit in. Uh, learners, good learners, are people who understand the value of questions. Absolutely. And so, uh, so let's let's kind of unpack that. I know there's probably a future podcast that we've talked about doing that will probably even take this further with. Uh, with asking powerful questions and the power of why things like that. But let's actually at least touch on this because I do think that listening leads to good questions. Absolutely. And I think that um, in order to have those good questions, in order for those questions to have meaning and for, in order for those questions to actually pull some good context out of them, you have to be active when you're listening, number one. And number two, you have to be focused on the person that you are speaking with. Because when you have those two pieces of this, those questions have more meaning. Yeah, and and I think good leaders ask good questions. Absolutely. Because questions in and of themselves are not necessarily good questions. Uh, I know when I uh, was doing some coaching certification to, uh, to learn kind of how to do some leadership coaching, they continued to drill in that. And of course, active listening is where it started, but then it was about asking good questions. Uh, in fact, they would, they would, they would word it asking powerful questions. And as we started to understand, well, what's the difference in a question and a good question, right? Um, one of the big things was, well, you need to ask open-ended questions 
You know, it's, it's easy for leaders, if we're not careful, to ask closed-ended questions where the answer is going to be yes or no. Yeah. Versus and, opening it up and saying, tell me more, yeah. you know. And I, and I think a lot of times um, as young leaders, okay, I can remember, you know, first starting out in my first leadership position. In my mind, leadership was so flawed at that time because in my mind, leadership was I tell people, here's what we're going to do. And then they just, they just follow me because I'm the leader. And the issue that you run into that, especially so for anybody that's, that's a young leader or anybody that's just now getting into leadership, um, whether it's with a volunteer organization or a paid for organization, you know, one of the, one of the big pitfalls to leadership is, is always trying to, I'm talking all the time and you're just listening and you're going to do what I say. It, It never works. It never works. It it actually reminds me, uh, my youngest Kaylee, uh, she's five now, but when she was four, she went through this phase and I think she, she was emulating what, what they did at uh, preschool. And so we'd be walking down the hall and she'd say, dad, dad, get behind me. I'm the line leader. And so it's cute. It's cute when you're four. It's not so cute when you're 40. Yeah. You know, it's cute coming from a child of, Hey, follow me. I'm the leader. It, it's not really, like you said, when, when you're an adult, you're leading people, leading an organization to simply say, follow me, I'm the leader. Um, there's a whole lot more to that. And I think that's where the questions, and, and that's one of the things I had to learn is I had to shift from, maybe I would just, in a staff meeting, for instance, I have this idea and shift from asking the question this way, because this is going to be a closed-ended question. Hey guys, here's my idea. Do you guys like it? Well, that's a yes or no question. Now, someone can speak further to that, but I've I've really put them in a position to simply categorize it in one of two ways. Do you like the idea or do you not like the idea? Right. Um, and where the open-ended question is, hey, here's an idea, um, but I want you guys to tell me what you think. You know, help me understand. If, if you think it's a good idea, why? If you don't and you disagree, that's okay. Help me understand why. That's where you're going to get good answers and good answers lead to good solutions, right? But I had to learn that. And and again, if a leader just says yes or no, you just pigeonhole the other person essentially and you're not going to get good information, uh, a good critique. You're not really going to come up with the best idea. And I, I, I certainly think that opening question is something that good leaders ask good questions. Maybe, Chad, we could say the best leaders learn to ask the best questions. Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing that I would also say with the open-ended questions is open-ended questions also create a culture of productivity and inclusiveness. Okay. And, and it, here's what I mean when I say that. If you're just asking, just for example, like you said in the staff meeting, hey, do you like that? Well, if you have a bad culture anyways, the, the common response is going to be, yes, yes, I love that, because they don't want to answer no because they're afraid of what that culture is going to do. However, if you ask open-ended questions, it creates inclusiveness. It creates more buy-in from them. It no longer becomes an idea of this is your idea. It becomes an idea of our idea. So it helps so much with that. Yeah, and and I think you you bring up something really good about culture, and I think that good leaders – want good cultures and good cultures involve exactly what you said, the ability to give input, to share honestly. And I think again, as leaders, you lead that process. And so if it's a constant yes, no answer type of environment, 
you're, you're really kind of limiting the conversation. How do you learn from others through just simply yes or no? The other thing that I was told when I was younger, and I've learned to disagree with this, but I remember in uh, probably my 20s, somebody told me, you know, hey, as a, as a leader, in my case, as a pastor at the time, um, you know, never ask a question you don't know the answer to. It, it had to do more with control the conversation, right? And there may be some times, Chad, that that's appropriate, but it was kind of this general sense of, well, don't ask a question if you don't already know the answer. Right. So it doesn't catch you off guard or it doesn't surprise you or there's not a level of disagreement. Um, I think that is a poor way to lead. There are questions that you have to ask because you don't know the answer and because you are willing to hear the answer that you don't necessarily want or anticipate. And um, I know even in our dynamic, there's times, whether it's just been based off of uh, our friendship or based off of uh, your role in our organization, where I've had to ask you questions and I didn't know the answer. Sure. And I have to be okay with that. And I think some leaders... That, that if you allow insecurity to creep in, you don't want to ask the question because you're afraid of the answer. But when we really play that out, I mean, whether that's in your marriage, whether that's in your business um, or anywhere in between, and that's not a great way to grow by only asking questions that you already know the answer to. Exactly. And, you know, it's an, it's also an unhealthy way to grow, not only for you as a leader, but also for those of, of your organization or even of family that are taking part in that. You know, one of the things that that I feel like has made me better at this, I've still got a lot to go, Bobby. I've still got a lot more on this learning side of things. But, you know, I've always heard the premise of leaders are readers. Okay, so when you think about that, when you think about leaders or readers, I mean, tell me what you think about that statement. Yeah, no, I've heard that too. And and I think the converse is not always true, right? Readers are not necessarily leaders, but I think you're right. Leaders have to be willing uh, to read. What I take out of that is, is leaders are just constant learners. They're just committed to what, what can I learn? What new information can I, can I take in? And now more than ever, we have so much access uh, to information. I mean, thankfully, while the internet has its disadvantages. And certainly we could go on about that, but, uh, the, just the ability to be informed, um, the, the Amazon Kindle, you know, the ability to get a book and get it right now, right away on my device. Um, the audible, you know, the, right. the I can listen at the gym while I don't have a book in front of me while I'm on the elliptical. I mean, there's so much information and while there's misinformation and, and all of that, the point is, is leaders are constantly finding ways to read or absorb new information um, to process that. And, and then I think if you want to take that a step further, Chad, you know, leaders are readers, not just of content, but leaders know how to read the room. Right. And, uh, and I want to hear your thoughts on that because my, my initial assessment is, is if you're willing to learn part of reading the room may not just be asking everyone the question, but it may be, pulling more information out from a group of people. Maybe they're not as vocal normally. Maybe uh, they're a little more soft-spoken, a little more introverted. And in a way that doesn't embarrass them, is there a way to still involve them? Is that part of reading, reading the room, reading the people, reading who may have a thought that they haven't shared that could actually 
impact and help everybody if you can pull that out of them and give them that opportunity. What are your thoughts on that? I would say that's 100% accurate. And I see this a lot, not necessarily with our organizations that we're a part of, just because a lot of the time when we're leading in the organizations we're part of, um, those are those are paid people that are working for us. So that that brings an element there that that you really don't have to focus on too much. It's still important, but you don't have to focus on it too much. Where I really see this at, though, is when you're leading a volunteer organization. Um, for example, in your position, when you're when you're pastoring of a church, or in some of the things that I'm doing, when I'm when I'm being a a president of a certain club, or when I'm volunteering for a certain club, it's making sure that all of those people of that club, number one, feel inclusive, but also number two, making sure that, you know, a lot of times in, in clubs like that and in organizations like that, the there's there's one to two to three voices that are always heard. But what happens is, is those voices that, that aren't speaking up, they're never heard. So making sure that they're included there and reading that room. And, and you know, it's, it's so interesting. You can look out at a room of people and you can tell really quickly those who are listening those who want to be there and those who just don't want to be there. But the other thing that you can tell is, and it's pretty easily to see, um, is you can tell those that want to say something and just don't have the courage to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, honestly, you're, you're kind of empowering them by reading the room and acknowledging that you're helping them foster the courage. And again, you got to do it in the right way, make sure that they're ready. But I, I found that's so true because the person who is oftentimes not the loudest or the first to speak um, sometimes has processed it out and has greater or at least better input. We just got to pull it out of them. One more thing on learning, Chad, and, and talk to us about this because we've all heard this, you know, probably a thousand times, but learn from your failures. Yeah, I, I think that's huge. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be transparent here with you. I had a failure yesterday. Um, and I, and I want to talk a little bit about it because I think that it will help as, as a parent, number one, but number two, it possibly could help as a leader. So I get a call yesterday from my daughter, um, and this is the youngest daughter. So she's, she's attending college at Warrensburg and she's got her mindset on her degree and she's got all of these things and you know, she's got a path. She's a scheduled person. She knows exactly what she wants to do. So she calls me and she starts telling me about some concerns about what's going to happen after she graduates with her bachelor's degree. You know, she's going to move on and she's going to go on to a, another college to get a doctorate degree. And she was talking to me about some struggles with what that looks like because this college that she wants to go to are not going to transfer all of her credits. Okay. So that's kind of the premise of the conversation. Well, what dad heard was, I have a problem and I need you to fix it. That's what I heard as a dad. Okay, so what did I do? I went into fix mode, and immediately I went into saying, okay, well, you got to do this, you got to do this, and I just started barking out five and six orders of this is what you got to do, and we're going to get through this, and everything's going to be fine. Well, at the end of me barking at the orders, she said, dad, I didn't need you to fix it. I just needed you to listen, and that hit me like a ton of bricks, Bobby. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and what I did after, after I had processed that throughout the day, I called her back and I said, hey, you know what? I want to apologize to you. Here's what I did wrong. What I'm going to do differently next time is I'm going to listen and then I'll wait for you to tell me when you want me to fix it. How's that? 
And it just, you know, it, it kind of solidified for me that even as a parent having that conversation, sometimes you just can't fix things. So for me, my failure was I'm not going to fix everything. Sometimes I just need to be there as an ear. Yeah, that's a great perspective. And and I've had that same issue uh, numerous times. Even in, in my marriage, one of the things we've talked about is my wife will maybe say the same thing. You know, she'll share something from her day and, and I immediately go into fix it mode. And there's times where it's like, you just got to learn to take off the tool belt. Yeah. Um, and so we've kind of developed this uh, language, I guess, is, you know, hey, there's sometimes I want you to fix it because the, the, there are times that she's saying, hey, I, how do we do this? How do I handle this? What do I do? But then there's sometimes I just want you to feel it. Sure. J- j- just sit with me, hear me, and that's all I want you to do. And so knowing the difference is key. And I think learning from our failures, as you mentioned, is important. And I think, honestly, as leaders, not only do we have to learn from our own failures, Chad, one of the best things to do is learn from the failures of others. And so when when you mentioned that example, for instance, right now, those who are listening, which I applaud those who are listening to this podcast because they're taking the time to listen, which tells me they hopefully desire to learn, which tells me that, uh, man, they're already maybe light years ahead of, of others just because of their desire to listen and learn. But when they hear that, I mean, again, you can do it yourself and fail yourself and learn that way, or you can say, hey, oh man, maybe let me make sure I don't do that today because sure. that's a good learning opportunity. And I think, you know, all, all that to say one more thing, I, I found people connect more with your struggle than your success. Absolutely. Yeah. So while we can learn from success and we should, what to do, what to repeat, all of those things, you know, I, I do think a lot of times people learn more from, from your struggle. And so being honest and open about failures, you're helping others learn as well while you're learning from that. So, all right, well, that listening and learning, I think those are the building blocks that can lead to that third premise, which we just simply called leading. Um, But talk about how listening and learning actually lead to leading. Yeah, I I think this is a, this is my favorite one. It's, it's actually not, uh, it's actually not the hardest for me because I've been able to get better at one and two. So this one's actually, uh, it, it comes a little bit easier for me sometimes. But, you know, when I changed my mindset of leading from a position of power to leading from a position of influence, uh, I think my whole leadership world changed. And life became much easier for me as a leader as opposed to the way that I was doing it before. And I think that comes with age. I think that comes with maturity. But I also think that comes with failure. I learned what not to do. Okay, that was the hard part. You know, we, we got the bumps, we got the bruises, we got the scrapes. We learned what not to do. Figuring out what to do, there's so many different ways to do that. Part of them we already talked about, leaders or readers. Um, we also talked about learning from others' failures. But, man, being a leader of influence and not power, that helped me a lot. Yeah, well, and I think leaders of influence, you know, it's interesting we throw the term leadership around. And if you ask somebody, hey, who's a leader that you admire? And, and somebody might throw a name out of somebody that they, they don't actually know, they know of. And, uh, and while that person may be a great leader, they don't necessarily have that interaction with them. You know, when I'm asking who's a great leader or who's somebody that you really admire their leadership, what I want to hear is somebody that you know. And I've yet to hear somebody who, who I would 
value and respect their opinion. When I ask them that question, hey, who's somebody that you admire as a leader? Who are you learning from as a leader? I, I've yet to hear anybody that really shares the answer that doesn't fit what you said. Yeah. They're, they're people who have learned the difference between power and influence. They're people who have learned to listen uh, and and learn to learn and keep learning. And, and so a couple of things that I was thinking about, Chad, as we've been preparing for this is this type of leading. Anybody can learn to listen and anybody can commit to lifelong learning. Not everybody is able to lead at this level. Um, now, I don't think everybody's born to do this. I, I, I mean, obviously, there, there's a desire to grow and develop if you're not a natural leader, but this is kind of the level of leadership, in my opinion, that it makes tough decisions. These leaders, because they've listened, if they've listened, and because they've learned, now they're in the position to make tough decisions, the tough calls. They've read the room. They've heard the information. They've processed it. And at the end of the day, even at a round table, somebody's got to sit at the head of the round table. Somebody's got to make the decision. So let's talk about that. How do you lead and make tough decisions? Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's so true. And, and, you know, within my organization, um, Bobby, I'm, I'm probably only making about 5% of the decisions, to be honest with you. Um, and the reason why is I've created a culture of, of leadership within the organization that that they are willing to come forward and make the decisions. My my office manager that that uh, helps run my office for me, she's making probably seventy five percent of the decisions. To be honest with you, and the biggest reason for that is is because number one, I've empowered her to do it. Number two, she has learned the process of doing it, and number three, she's aligned with my vision. So if you can have somebody align with your vision and you teach them along the way, now it wasn't always that way. Um, you know, there in the beginning, she was scared to death to make some decisions because she was worried about how it was going to impact, number one, our organization, but also number two, I think possibly impact our relationship, me versus her. And I think that by me giving her the autonomy and saying, hey, you did a great job with that one. This is, this is what I would do different if there was anything to do different. What I found most of the time is, she made the right decisions on the first call. So that was good. Um, now, I would correlate that to, um, to yourself because right now you're serving on the school board for our local school, which, number one, I appreciate you for doing that. But number two, over the past three years that you've been serving as a, as a, as a school board member, man, you've had to make some tough decisions. I mean, we've, we've gone through some uncharted waters here. Talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts are on that. Well, so, you know, in interest of full disclosure, as we're recording this, um, by the time it's uh, released, I'll still have a few days anyway <laughs> on the school board. We'll see if the hawk is going to be doing a swan song or not. But uh, but in all seriousness, uh, that's a great example. It's it's recent, it's current, and uh, school boards, Chad, first of all, they operate best when they're, when they're in the background. Um, unfortunately, through covid through national politics, state politics, local politics, school boards have been thrust really kind of put out in front and uh, people have paid more attention. Now, in some respects, that's a good thing, but I certainly think that school boards kind of operate best when those volunteers are just, you know, in the background trying to do what's best for kids. But COVID has kind of brought those things forward. And, and it, it's interesting because nobody has led perfectly through COVID. 
at least I would be concerned with the person who says they have. I'd be more concerned with the person who says they led perfectly than the person who said, no, it's just been proven. And uh, we've had to adapt and change. And as I've said often, we're building the plane while we're flying it. But uh, the other reason I would say it's hard to lead perfectly through COVID is because we still, two years into this, we can't agree what perfectly is. Right. You know, we're still a very divided culture on a lot of subjects. And and this isn't a COVID podcast and this isn't a pro mask, no mask or anything in between. But what it is, is you've got to make decisions and you're trying to make decisions on what's best for kids. And everybody has an opinion on what's best for kids. But there's seven people that have been elected that sit around a table and they have to make that decision. And those are tough decisions because one, you know, in our case, in our school district, those decisions directly impact 17,000 people. And that's just staff and students. That's besides family, family members, extended family. So you feel the weight of that decision. Um, but, But additionally, not only do you feel the weight, you know that decision is not going to be applauded by everyone. Everyone's not going to agree. And I think in COVID specifically, Chad, usually I feel like most decisions that you make in a school district, uh, two thirds at least are going to kind of align with that or agree with that. Or in some cases, 75, maybe 80%. And maybe in some cases it's 90, 95% on some decisions, never going to be a hundred percent with COVID. You know, you're just like, I wonder if we're at the 50% plus one. Sure. I mean, you know, so you got to make tough decisions, but here's what I found. And I knew this to be true, but it certainly applies to leading when you're making tough decisions. Indecision is a decision, but it's not a leadership decision. There are so many people out there that have indecision. They can't make a decision. They freeze under pressure. Leaders can't do that. They have to listen They have to learn. But in this context, you have to lead, make a decision and learn from the decision. So again, if it is a failure, you learn from it. If it's, if it works, you continue to tweak it. And so, yeah, I I found that leading in the past two years in a pandemic, indecision is a decision, but it's not a leadership decision. Leaders lead, leaders make tough decisions. And I want to go back to to you and your organization because you mentioned about delegate. Well, here's what I caught from what you said about your situation. And I've watched you do this, Chad. You do this extremely well. You've learned the difference with simply delegating task and delegating authority or responsibility. And I think anybody can delegate task. I don't want to do this. You do this. Um, But leaders learn to delegate responsibility and authority, which is empowering other people to lead and make decisions. And I think you've done that extremely well. I think you do that extremely well. But I would I would kind of say, isn't it probably true that the reason that you're leading your business is because there's a handful of decisions. It's the five percent that you mentioned. There's a handful of decisions that you make that nobody else can make. But it's it's those decisions that put you in the spot to lead. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100 percent on that. And, and, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, you just talked a little bit about the last two years of the pandemic that we went through. And if you look at the number of businesses that that made it through this pandemic, whether that would be large organizations or whether that be even small mom and pop organizations, I would say that the root of the issue while they're not still with us today 
would probably go back to the lack of a decision being made. You know, whether that was, do we change our hours? Do we, do we adjust what we're doing? How do we accommodate our customers or how do we accommodate our service through this pandemic? And I would say fear of making a decision to change is probably what led to the demise of most of them. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're spot on. I think that's why I heard somebody say, and it's been several months back, they said, the only reason I'm the leader in my organization is I'm paid to make a handful of decisions every year that nobody else is willing to make. Yeah. And, I, and I thought about that and I thought, now that could be taken with arrogance, but that wasn't the way it was being communicated. It was being communicated in the context of, listen, 95% or more of what I do, somebody else can do. The difference is, and the reason I'm in the spot I'm in, this individual is saying is because there's about five decisions a year, give or take, that I have to make that are critical to the organization risky to the organization. And at the end of the day, I'm the one that will stand the most accountable for those decisions. And I think that's true. That's why indecision is not, is not a decision, at least not a decision that leaders can make. And, and, and leadership then becomes lonely, right, Chad? I mean, leadership's lonely um, in that context, because sometimes you're going to make decisions and and people won't agree with the decision or you make decisions and uh, you sometimes feel out on an island. And and if I can go back to that school board example that you shared in our specific school district, I'm grateful that our board came together, but we made some decisions that at the time were not popular. And at the time we were the first to, to really do it. And, um, and, and thankfully I believe those decisions anyway have proved out, but sometimes when you're the first to do it, uh, leadership is definitely lonely. You feel like you're out on an island, but it, but it also was the right thing to do. Indecision, waiting to see what everyone else was going to do in this context would not have been the right decision. Well, and I think that the indecision also creates um, confusion. You know, it creates confusion. And we saw confusion over the last three years, last two years of this pandemic. We saw a lot of confusion in between you know, whether it be health departments, whether it be anything else, there was a ton of confusion out there. And, you know, Bobby, I think we could go on and on on all three of these topics. And, and we're running a little bit longer here than we typically do, but I think it's so important that we unpack these things. But uh, let's go, let's do a recap here real quick. Let's do a recap for our listeners real quick on the three things that we talked about. Let's give a couple bullet points and let's uh, let's wrap a bow around this thing. Yeah, well, it's a good mantra. Be a good listener, good learner, good leader. And, uh, but it's more than a mantra for a kid going to school. It's uh, something that we can continue to do. And I think the order is important. You know, listening leads to learning. Learning leads to leading in the context we've shared. And, uh, and I hope our listeners have grasped that. And I, again, there's so many takeaways. My, my challenge would be to those who are listening, same challenge that I'm giving myself is, is, is there one of these areas that you tend to struggle with a little bit more? And both of us kind of acknowledged maybe listening for us sure. is kind of going to be our biggest takeaway. Um, for others, though, maybe it is the learning piece, Chad. Maybe um, asking the good questions and learning how to ask the best questions since the best leaders ask the best questions or the idea of learning from failures. Maybe that is is kind of the takeaway or maybe it's the leading because, you know, decisions are tough. Maybe the difference in delegating task versus responsibility, but I'm, I'm sure there's a takeaway in this and you're right. We went long and, uh, we'll do better. Uh, we'll learn, but, uh, but I do hope it's been helpful. 
I've got one kind of last thought on leadership, Chad. We talked about it. It's a quote I heard in college. It stuck with me ever since. And it's simply uh, something to this effect. Our college president said, uh, those who pursue leadership, they see the pleasure in it. Um, And I think he might have actually used the term power, those that pursue power. But for our sakes, those who pursue leadership see the pleasure in it. Those who possess leadership see the pain. So while the pleasure is very imaginary, the pain is very real. And uh, so I just want to maybe encourage those who are sitting in similar spots that we are in organizations uh, coming kind of out of the last two years, especially that um, we get it. Leadership isn't easy. It's challenging. It's difficult. Um, but those who, who have leadership, they get that. They understand that. Those who aren't in that seat, while it's easy to be very critical of those who are in that seat, I've done that. I've made that mistake, Chad. I've looked up and said, oh, you know, you should do this or you should do that. Once you're sitting in that seat, you realize the pleasure's very imaginary. The pain is very real. So I hope this has been helpful today. Yeah, I, and I, I think it has. It's actually been really helpful to me, you know, just kind of going through these things and, and again, understanding where we're not good at. I'm not a good listener. I've got to get better at that. Understanding how to get better at that. Well, I can get better at that by asking good questions, number one. Number two, I can get better at that. We talked about leaders or readers. There are so many books out there. You talked about Audible. Um, as crazy as this sounds, you know, I read these, you can read these books and listen to these books at two times the speed, Bobby. It, it, it kind of frees up more time for us. So that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Um, and then leading, being a leader of influence and not power. For me, that is the key. That's that's kind of been a good benefit for me. So uh, that, that's what I would say. Um, so good to hang out with you again here. Man, what are we talking about at our next podcast? Well, you know, uh, time management is obviously a topic that comes up in leadership over and over and over again, and for good reason. And we'll, we're going to touch on that, and maybe you and I can both just share a couple super practical things that we've learned when it comes to time management. But I think where we really drill down is managing your energy, not just your time. Because as a leader, I mean, we all have the same amount of time, but we've got to guard against the energy. It's like that phone. Your phone starts at 100% if you charged it right, right? Your phone starts at 100% at the beginning of the day. Uh, Man, there's some days that phone, my phone is, is almost dead by noon. And so if you think of that and you apply that to leadership and we're going to, how do you manage your energy, not just your time? I think we'll have some good thoughts, good takeaways, but, and I certainly appreciate everybody who's listening, taking the time. We did go a little bit longer today than normal, but uh, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, Chad, I mean, what can they do to kind of help us out and maybe uh, spread the word and, and hopefully this helps some other people? Man, I, we do appreciate everybody for listening, and hopefully this is helping you out. If you feel like this has benefited you, if you feel like it would it would benefit others, just please share, rate it out there for us, share it on Facebook, um, give us a good review out there on the podcast. That's what kind of pops these things up to the top. And, uh, you know, Bobby and I enjoy doing these, but the enjoyment, I think, also comes from helping as many people possibly as we can help with this, with these topics. Yeah, and we'll put our, uh, you know, let's put our words into practice here. If... Uh if you have an idea, a thought, a question, just some things you want us to talk about, we're happy to listen. 
Yeah. And uh, we'll certainly try to learn what we can and then share that with you. So uh, so don't hesitate to reach out. But yeah, share share this, uh, rate this, um, whatever you can do to help us out and hopefully help others out. But we certainly appreciate it. So looking forward to next time already, Chad. It's going to be good. You bet. We look forward to it. Everybody have a great month. We'll see you guys next month on the Epic Leadership Podcast. Have a great week. Hey guys, thanks for joining the Epic Leadership Podcast. Man, this is just fun for Bobby and I just to kind of talk back and forth and hopefully give you some good insights into some leadership of a couple different industries. And if you've enjoyed it, we would love to have a good review. Uh, Give us a five-star rating if you can. Share it with some friends. If you didn't like it, then tune in again next time and we will try to do better. We'll see you next time, guys.